Let's go in-depth on Hawkeye sports with the Des Moines Register. It's time for Hawk Central, powered by G-Mig's 5th Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Welcome to Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO, powered by our friends at G-Mig's. Big thanks to George Migliero and our friends down there in Valley Junction. If you're looking for a spot for dinner tonight or any night, G-Mig's is a great place to be. You hear the uh, the sizzle and grill whenever we're down there on Monday nights for uh, uh, the basketball show when we've got Jess and Jake or the football show when we've got Sage and Chuck. It's a wonderful spot, and he's a, a great addition to our community. He's been a great addition to uh, not only Cyclone Insider last night, but now Hawk Central here tonight. And speaking of great additions to Hawk Central, Mark Emmert's back on the show. Mark, what's yeah. up, man? I was here last week, but uh, oh. thanks. Everything was going well. How about you? Oh, yeah. I forgot that I wasn't <laughs> you here last here. week. <laughs> yeah. So I'm the part-timer now. Birthday? All of a sudden. It was fantastic, man. It was. I had a great time. So it's good to good, speak with you again. Things have been good for you, I assume. Yeah. Very yeah. well. Thank yeah. you. Chad Lysico, you set up another fun show for us today. We're hoping to hear from Coach Tim Polasek here uh, in moments. Yeah, it should be any minute. But uh, how'd you, how was your golf today? But You and I both played in... in what I would say it's it's a celebrity golf tournament in Des Moines, I, I Iowa. Say, yeah, I'd say I'm a very fringe celebrity. <laughs> That's I, what I told my golf group. I was like, very minor celebrity. I here. told, I'm sorry guys. I told my golf group how lucky they were because I noticed that one of the celebrities was a judge, and I was like, man, you guys could be out here talking about tort reform, and instead you get to make fun of me and my horrible golf swing. How lucky you are! So I did, it, it, it was fun. That's what fun, I would yeah. say, Jed. I, I did. I had fun out on the golf course, and Copper Creek was awesome. And big thanks to Des Moines, uh, or Catch Des Moines, rather, the Des Moines Convention and Visitors Bureau, for inviting us out. Let's chat about some Hawks here, uh, Chad. Let's uh, let's see what happens with Coach Polisek. But before we do that, what's coming up here for for you guys at the Register? What's the next thing on the horizon for Hawkeye fans? Well, I think the big thing coming up is uh, I'm going on vacation after this week. So you good guys for you. Hear from me yeah, good, <laughs> for good. A couple of weeks, but then uh, shortly after that is Big Ten football media days. Always a uh, feels like the kickoff of the season to us. And uh, Mark and I were just uh, discussing this the other day. I thought it'd be a good conversation for us to have at some point tonight. Who will they bring the three players to Big Ten Media Days? I think that that is it's always an annual uh, <laughs> yeah, right. speculation event. Yeah. Uh, last year, the con- I don't know if you want to call it a controversy, but it was uh, Akram Wadley was disappointed that he wasn't one of the three young men taken. Um, Ross, let's I'll kick it to you first. Well, Who do you Nate, think? I three? think Nate Stanley's got as a be. junior. Okay. Yep. Hmm. Um, I think Noah Fant. Another Boy. junior. I, I don't see that happening. Yeah, but I, who are your senior leaders on this team? I think Parker Hesse. <laughs> Parker Hesse will probably be one of them. Yeah, that'd be a good, good one. Good spokesman, good quote, yeah. fifth-year guy. He's, I think he started 34 games. 34 games. Isn't that amazing? He's hmm. Because of Drew Ott's injury as a freshman, he ended up starting like 11 or 12 games that year and uh, has been a, a starter since. Okay, I'll, so I, I'm going to say I, I like Par- I, that, that one's fine. I like Parker Hesse. I think Hesse and Stanley would be almost certain because Stanley is mm. no has already been voted a captain, um, quarterback of the team. Maybe those would be since you throw uh, Hesse at it. Maybe I those those are my three. I think it should be Fant. I think yeah. it should be Stanley, and I'd I'd go with Parker Hesse. Mark, you kind of uh, scoffed at a few of those. What do you think we're going to see? No, I, in July. I think you bring up a good point there. There. Probably their most intriguing or talented players are generally juniors, but uh, I believe he's only brought one junior ever, right? And that was Josie mm-hmm. Jewell a couple of years ago, right? 
That is correct. So I, I mean, I, I agree with you that, that Stanley and Fant would be logical choices. I'm just not sure that we'll see those juniors there. I think Hesse is the only obvious one I can come up with. He's a really, really good quote with the media, uh, a team leader. Obviously, as Chad pointed out, he's been a big part of that team for, for four years already um, and will be again this year. Uh, beyond that, though, I mean, uh, maybe Keegan Render on the offensive yeah. line. There's your one senior starter there. Um, my wild card to be Miguel Ripstinos. I like that. Had. I like it. Senior that uh, no one brings kickers to these things, but that guy is maybe the best quote on the team. Yeah, really great with the media, um, and uh, you know had a good year last year. But I, I mean, I, I'd be a little surprised at that. But uh, secretly, you know, my love for special teams. <laughs> uh, you know, bring me a kicker. So that's uh, <laughs> that's kind of how I see it. But I, I, I'm I'm actually kind of intrigued to see who they actually end up with. Yeah, because, me too. Uh, you know, not not that the average fan cares that much, but for <laughs> us media guys. Those are three guys we're going to be spending a lot of time with that day. So, And, yeah, you'll be reading uh, about all three of them, <laughs> whoever exactly, they are. Yeah. yeah, you did mention Keegan Render, one of the few seniors, and maybe a guy that would have an inside track on whether or not Keegan's a, a guy that might be packing his bags for late July joins us now. Offensive line coach Tim Polisek joining us. Coach, thanks for giving us time. How are you, sir? Good. How are you guys doing? We're appreciate doing... you guys giving me some time. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate you uh, carving some time out for us here. You joined us about a year ago. And we were kind of, uh, you know, starting to walk you into what the, what your expectations were for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Can you kind of uh, explain to us the differences for your day to day operations from right now as to a, a year ago? Yeah, you know, I don't necessarily know if there's any differences in the day to day, but you know, you feel really good about you know living the Hawkeye way. You know, being part of the culture here for a whole year. Um, there's not as many. You know, it's not like you're just trying to hold on and learn and catch up all the time where you're trying to really add something, you know, add something to the culture and continue to make Iowa, you know, football and its culture stronger daily. That's probably, you know, the thing that I, I enjoy the most, you know, being able to sit here and talk with you guys. I know that's where we're at, you know, in year two right now. Where do you, where would you say your, your greatest area of progress has been made in this last year? For me individually or? Or, or for, how about we we'll start coaching for, staff? Yeah, and, coaching and team, staff. Yeah. Or, oh, yeah. I, yeah. You know what? Honestly, I just think that you know the fact that you know that you know each other, you kind of you kind of have a real understanding of each guy's. You know, we all come to a place, or you know, you all go into these jobs with a philosophy, an individual philosophy, and and normally, you know, a coach or a coaching staff selects you to work with them because it fits. You know, and so I think when you know everybody on the staff, you know, you spend some time away from away from football with those guys. And you really know who they are, and you know who their families are. Really, you know those relationships is a big part of why we why we coach not only with the players, but the relationships that we can create um, with each other too. You know those guys that are in the office. Um, we spend a lot of time together, so I think it's really important that we do have strong uh, relationships, and that's that's probably the biggest difference. Just that chemistry on offense, the staff, you know, under uh, Brian's leadership has continued to grow and develop, and, and quite frankly, I think we're just scratching the surface. Hey, Coach, uh, before we look ahead to 2018, which we have a lot on our list for that, uh, maybe just rewind just a bit. Um, I, I just I feel like people probably underestimate the impact that uh, the loss of Boone Myers and Ike Butker probably had, uh, especially early in the year in last year's team. Um, were, were there any games or losses that, that maybe their absence um, hurt you guys the most? in 2017? Yeah, you know, definitely, you know, excited for how those young tackles played. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's kind of where my mind has been more than, and it's funny, I, I ran into Ike today at a charity event 
and it was great to see him. But, like, that's what our concentration is all the time is, like, with the guys that we've got, the guys that are returning. Um, you know, I don't know that there was a – you know, the Purdue game maybe, you know, they're just – they were real multiple, um, especially on third down. You know, and, and I think we had an assignment, you know, or two, um, you know, that we didn't, didn't handle as well as we could have. Um, maybe those two guys being veterans and seeing some things would have would have played it out, would have played it out a little differently. Um, but other than that, I mean, you know, I think the Iowa State game, you know, we tried AJ over at the right side when when Ike went down. Then we had to flip Sean back out there, put AJ back on the left side. You know, so some of those gymnastics, you know. Yeah. But the, the real cool thing about that is we pushed through it. But I, I do recall that being a tough situation to handle. But outside of that, I mean, quite frankly. Outside of a, a error here or there that were you know kind of critical ones, I, I wouldn't point to a specific game and say, you know, man, if we would have had those guys, it would have been different. You know, I just haven't done that. Fair, fair point. Um, wanted to ask you also about the run, the run game. I'm sure it, it uh, eight and five, solid season, um, not spectacular, but um, I, I imagine a number that's gnawing at you is that three point seven six yards per carry which ranked 104th out of 130 in FBS. Where do you think that number needs to be, that yards per carry average? Do you have a benchmark for where you want that to be this season? Um, yeah, you know, we haven't we haven't sat and discussed that, you know, necessarily just tagging a number like what we, you know, but, I mean, the high fours would sure be good, right? I mean, right. Five <laughs> would be, um, I mean, getting a little bit greedy. But I think, uh, you know, us in the run game, and when we evaluate the run game, we're kind of looking at that situation. You know, are we efficient on first and second down? You know, meaning are we getting four yards on first down, and then on second down, are we getting half of what we need? Okay, so that's probably more important to us than anything is just how efficient is the run game, not necessarily just on a blanket statement with the run, with the run game and the average. I'm not trying to avoid that question. You know, I think 3.75 would need to be better. Yeah. Um, we need to be better up front. We need to be better. You know, whoever's involved with the run game, we can all improve, and we need to be better. There's no doubt about that. Um, but, again, we're going to stay focused on, you know, are we physically moving on our scrimmage? You know, are we being efficient in the critical situations, which, you know, again, not to repeat myself, but first and second down and then third down efficiency. You know, if you're good on first and second down, your third down efficiency should be better. So all those things go hand in hand, and it's, it's obviously something that we're continuing to study, and we're continuing to try to push forward and be better. Coach, we've got a third voice with us here. It's a, it's a guy you're familiar with, Mark Emmert from the Des Moines Register. We'd like to let him get a few questions in also. Mark, go ahead, buddy. Yeah, Tim, I actually wanted to ask you about, you mentioned the tackles already, those young guys uh, coming back now for their second years as starters. But uh, let's start with Alaric. What, what do you think was maybe the biggest eye-opener for him last year in, in his first year as a starter? Uh, you know, he's pretty level-headed, pretty level-headed guy. You know, I think we were we got into some situations there that got sticky, and he, and he answered the bell. Um, I think the biggest eye-opening thing with AJ, you know, is that I think there's there's a lot of room for growth yet. You know, as well as he played in whatever award that he won, or you know, I just I know he's driven by trying to be the best he can be. You know, and that's what we're trying to pull out of him. But I think he went in there and he did a really really good job in the run game, um, and I really look forward to seeing you know, how dominant of a guy can this guy become? You know, because he's athletic enough, the size is there, and now can you – maybe can he add a little bit of nasty towards the end of the play, you know, and really really be a guy that finishes football plays the proper way. And then on the other side, you got Tristan – I'm sorry, other side, you got Tristan Wirfs, um, who 
you know, came in as a true freshman, very impressive. But how much, how much better can you get after a winner and a spring with Coach Doyle? How much, what do you expect us to get out of him now? Yeah, yeah, you know, the thing with uh, Tristan that's, you know, what get us real excited is is how fast his body does respond to all that training. I mean, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, kind of one of those guys you look at me and like, man, that guy's born to play football. <laughs> you know, and and uh, he responds really well in the weight room. I know Coach Doyle and his staff do an excellent job. And Tristan's in there working his butt off, um, but he just seems to be a guy that's going to respond well, um, respond well to, um, you know, weightlifting and speed and conditioning. And and his body just continues to change here and there a little bit. You know, I think he's 328, but he looks much leaner. And and he just every day he seems like he's you know really attacking that process. So obviously the sky the, the sky's the limit for him. Um, the one thing about you know Tristan is I think he's become hungrier he's become a better student of the game you know he's wanted he's come in he's asked for assignments you know things to look at you know to look into you know who could he study what should he be watching and his just overall you know conceptual understanding of what we're doing in the run game is so much better right now today but it's got he's still got a ways to go and he has to continue to improve because you guys know as well as anybody handling a base look is one thing but being able to handle the the nuances of a game plan and your rules and principles being able to carry you know you through to success is the key. I think most Hawkeye fans, coach, they they realize we're pretty locked down on the outside of that line. Inside linemen probably a little less certain. Uh, maybe except for center, right? Are we safe to assume Keegan Render is a clear starter right now at center? Yeah, I think I think day one he's going to be in there taking the number one snaps. You know, the real question is: Is there another guy that could, you know, step in there and do it, and Keegan could slide back to? what some people perceive as his natural spot at guard. We've just been really pleased with what Keegan did in spring, um, not only in the football, but from a leadership standpoint. You know, maybe that's his, his co-locking, but I've just I seen that guy, you know, grab the bull by the horns and ask those guys to do a little extra after practice or, you know, do a little bit more, you know, outside of meetings and, and getting together and talking through some football. And then right now he's doing a nice job of when those guys are doing whatever they're doing, getting extra snaps and so forth. So I think that's, you know, I, you know, as coaches, you guys know, we hate talking about depth charts on July 1st <laughs> or whatever it is. But, you know, Keegan and Ross have both both played winning football. Um, Keegan is the logical answer right now. He's the only guy that's got some experience playing that spot. So I'll jump in. If you don't want to talk about depth charts as much, how about injuries? That's another favorite topic of coaches. Um, uh, Levi Paulson, how's he doing? Do you expect him to be uh, in that starting lineup? How's his yeah, health? I think, well, I don't know if I necessarily expect him. I think there's going to be some good competition. You know, at, at what you want to look at on paper, right? At the right guard spot. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, and I'm super excited for Levi. And we got to do the best job we can do as a program making sure we get him to, to find a way to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so we're going to try to, you know, whether that's cutting back on some reps, you know, when we go to the physical stuff in practice or just being real mindful, maybe he just has a, maybe there's just a hit chart on him, you know, or a, or a pitch count, you know, but we're going to try it because Levi's done some really, really good things. It's unfortunate for him is every time he kind of gets going, you know, there's been a, there's been an injury that pops up. So, um, I'm excited to watch, you know, Levi and a couple of those other guys um, kind of compete for, you know, right guard, kind of, you know, those reps, you know, and the rest of the way, you know, who's the depth, where's the depth going to fall, 
you know, inside, and then obviously a tackle too. I mean, Levi is kind of part of both, right? Yeah. He provides some tackle depth, and he can play inside. So we'll see how that whole thing shakes out somewhere in the middle of August. One of my favorite quotes of the spring were, was you talking about Cole Banwart uh, putting on his big boy pants. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, that's another name we heard uh, in my uh, interview with Coach Ferentz not too long ago. He was the one offensive player he named it that really ascended this spring. Seems like a guy that you're really intrigued with, and, and maybe just uh, give us your impressions of Cole Banwart now coming out of spring. Yeah, you know he just uh, again, and we I know we do this a lot as coaches, and um, our, our strength conditioning program is is really solid. And I've just seen Cole. I've seen his body change. I've seen him get stronger. He just looks a little bit more like a Big Ten alignment today than he did a year ago. Um, I think, you know, the one thing about Cole, you know, everybody always assumes like, okay, small town kid, he's got to learn how to play this, that, and the other thing. Ever since I've been here, I've been extremely impressed with his football IQ and his ability to understand our concepts. And then his pride that he takes, the pride that he has when we're doing our drawings you know, for a quiz or an assignment that we give for extra work. I mean, he is detailed out, and he takes a lot of pride in his work. So, you know, the one thing that's been encouraging about him, and, and you just got to have this, right, is that he wants to be a good player. He wants to do whatever he can for the Hawkeyes to have a chance to win. And, and so when I think of Cole Banward right now, you know, if he can scramble and he can be, you know, gritty on the football field, he's probably going to find himself out there for some reps. Coach, I'd like to talk to you about some of the new guys in the room and maybe how this new rule with the NCAA, how, how much you guys are strategizing to get a few of these guys on the field from time to time, maybe in this non-conference part of the schedule early on. But Jack Plum, is it Cody Ince? He's one of your Wisconsin guys. Am I pronouncing that right? Is it Ince? Yes, sir. Yes, and then, sir. And then yep. Jeff Jenkins, three guys. What should expectations be for Hawkeye fans for Plum, Ince, and Jenkins? Yeah, you know, a little bit different than, you know, like, say, a Tristan Wirfs or some of you, you know, I can't comment on the guys, but some of the guys we got potentially coming in the next class. Mm -hmm. You know, those guys are all, the three guys, what I really like about them is they all have great feet. They're all really good athletes. You know, they're linear. Even, you know, Jeff is only 6'3", but he's a longer guy. You know, um, they're linear athletes. And so with that, being said, they have a little ways to go as far as putting on the proper, you know, putting the weight on number one, putting the weight on probably number two, you know, to get themselves in a position where they can really compete. You know, and so I think the expectations for those guys are, you know, we'll try to clearly define a role for them, you know, which will probably, hey, go over there and get AJ Vanessa ready. Go over there and get Parker Hesse ready for the yeah. for the football game. But I, could, I forecast those guys, you know, red shirting, but we most definitely won't give up on trying to get them ready as fast as we can. You know, if I, I think if, you know, you guys have heard me talk before, you know, we're going to have a can't-wait mentality and we're going to have urgency and there is no timeline. You yeah. need to be ready when your number gets called. And so we'll keep pushing them, but ideally you'd like to redshirt those guys. Sure, yeah. I look at Jack Plum, 6'8", 250. That's probably def definitely one that needs a redshirt um, to get bigger. Okay, we got time for one more, one more longer question, but I'll hit you with a quick short question. Does, okay. does losing to Wisconsin sting you more, being from Wisconsin? That's yeah, the short one? That's the short one. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of people, you know, that I know are diehard um, Badger fans. And I, and I don't, you know, I don't fault them for that, but I sort of like to go home with the Hawkeye hat on and say, you know what, I was part of that win. Exactly. You know, and, and gave them, you know, a bad day. Now, I can tell you the flip is for the Packers, right? I get more calls on 
You know, how's Josh Jackson going to be? Yeah, right. We take the right guy, but, yeah, it stings more when we lose. I, I don't know. Every loss, you know, yeah. die a little bit inside. So uh, players that I talked to a few weeks ago um, were bringing up Wisconsin as the measuring stick kind of for this 2018 season from coaches and, and players' perspective. Um, how much ground do you see as a coaching staff that you ha- have to make up there, uh, especially considering it's a Big Ten opener? Yeah, you know, one of the things uh, Coach Brian had me do, he kind of signed me to the Badgers. You know, and the first thing I did last week is, uh, you know, I've actually been studying the last seven games that we play them. And, you know, it's not like, you know, they're the Pittsburgh Steelers of the 70s and we're a college team. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just we got to make some plays in some critical situations, not only up front, but in the perimeter, you know, in the kicking game, defensively, all that stuff. Um, but I don't necessarily, you know, look at it that way. Like we got a miles and miles to gain on them. They have had some success, obviously. Um, you know, they they've won the last few games here. But the one thing that's real encouraging when I watch the tape, it's not like we're just getting knocked back you know, on, on the offensive line. I think we're moving the line of scrimmage. We just got to find a way to help our offense, you know, get more rushing calls out there, period. I mean, I think if we can get to a certain amount of runs, I think you can see us put up a pretty decent number. And they're phenomenal against the run. But, you know, I've watched that tape from a very, with a very critical eye uh, all, all the years going back to 2013. And we've knocked them back. We've had them, you know, we've challenged them. We've made them play. I just don't know if we've made enough critical plays in critical situations so we're going to try to be better situationally um you know i think a lot of it comes down to you know how ready you know when you get them how ready are you you know can you answer the bell and and be ready to play in those kind of those championship games coach thanks so much for giving us time here on wednesday afternoon we we greatly appreciate it we'll talk to you again soon appreciate you guys have a good night good Good stuff talk to you All right, when we get back, we'll wrap up our 5 o'clock hour. Then in the 6 o'clock hour, we'll lead you up to Cardinals baseball. But we're going to have a podcast-only segment for you Hawk Central fans. We'll wrap up 5 o'clock next here on 1460 KXNO. Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes is Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register, powered by G Makes Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Just a minute away from the top of the hour here, so uh, Mark Emmert and I are just going to try to get as much uh, reaction as we can here in this minute or so. Mark, was there something from that interview that jumped out at you? I, I will tell you before you answer. Chad thought it was his response to the Wisconsin question, yeah. where he said they've been he's been going back watching the last seven games. Yeah, yeah. You could tell he's a little bit obsessed with that topic, and rightfully so. That's the team to beat there. and That was very interesting. I also thought it was interesting. He kind of left open the possibility that maybe Keegan Render, if somebody else rises up, could slide back to guard and they could find another center, which I think uh, he was certainly praising Cole Branworth very highly. So, uh, Branworth's my guy. So, um, yeah, that's so funny, Mark. That That's exactly what I uh, what I said to Chad, that that was the, what jumped out at me, how when we asked him about Keegan Render, we didn't even have to ask about who the potential backups were. He immediately took the conversation there and mentioned that there are some people that think Keegan Render might not be at his natural position. I wonder who those some people might be. When we get back, Chad Lysico will hop on back with us. And again, we've got Matt Bain joining us for a little while to wrap up Hawk Central tonight. 
Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes. It's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register, powered by G-Mig's Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. About 17 minutes here. We'll throw things to Cardinals baseball, but don't fret, Hawkeye fans. More will be waiting for you at hawkcentral.com. Matt Bain will be jumping in with us here in a few moments. And then I think that podcast-only segment is going to be a lot of, uh, of Matt Bain breaking down, like recruiting and stuff. Is that what we're going to do, Chad? Yep, I think we're going to kick Mark off. Okay. Show. That's it's, uh, it's, yeah, it was, always better when we do that anyway. Right? <laughs> and then uh important announcement, no show next week. So that's why we're kind of giving our listeners a little bonus cuz next week's July 4th. Trying so. to go above and beyond here yeah. in celebration of America's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into uh, some other stuff here, but Anthony has been waiting patiently for us. Anthony, thanks so much for being patient for us here on Hawk Central, buddy. What did you want to ask us? Yeah, uh, guys, thanks for taking my call. I know it's been a long time since I've been talking to these guys. Man. We've been wondering what happened, man. We thought maybe you were just listening to Cyclone Insiders so you could hear all that <laughs> wonderful <laughs> stuff from Randy and Tommy. <laughs> uh, the question is I have for you guys is how's the running back concerns are starting to be? Who's going to be the next guy in to replace that Arkham Wadley kid guy? And another question is how's the uh, North End Zone uh, come up? Go Hawks. Thanks, Anthony. I always love your phone calls, buddy. All right, Chad, let's first handle running back situation. What's it look like for the Hawkeyes as we move into 2018? Well, Anthony, that's a really good question. Obviously, um, when we had Brian Ferentz on our show, oh, what is it? it's been probably two months now, he said they actually feel like they have a number one running back returning in two guys, Torn Young and Ivory Kelly Martin. And uh, the guy I think we still really haven't discussed much is uh, Mechie Sargent from Iowa Western. Still a little bit of a mystery there. And uh, if Matt's headphones are on too, he could probably jump in here too because uh, this is a guy in the recruiting process that kind of came out as a, a surprise. Matt, tell us about the uh, the, the JUCO transfer, Mackie Sargent. Well, I only got to see him once uh, back when Iowa Western was playing in the Graphic Edge Bowl last year at the Unidome. I went out to see Kai Loxley, their quarterback, who's now at University of Texas Eastern Peninsula, and then Davion Nixon, obviously, yeah, right. to see okay. how he was doing. Um, that was right around the time when Alabama was offering it. Everybody in, in Hawkeye land was freaking out. Um, but honestly, in all honesty, this running back kid, I didn't know his name at all, but he stood out in the game. He was one of the more impressive guys, and I didn't go in to watch him per se. Uh, later I found out his name was Mackie Sargent. I was, he got a New Mexico State offer. I thought he might go there when I thought Kai Loxley was going to go there. Then he didn't go there. Then he got a Louisville offer. And then I kind of forgot about him until all of a sudden he, he surfaces as a University of Iowa student. Yep. Wow, he went from Louisville offer to being on campus. Basically, I, there were some days in between. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right, okay. Um, huh. But, yeah, I honestly was surprised I, to see him uh, land with Iowa. But looking back, I guess I can understand what they're looking for. He's a, he's a small, shifty back. He can change speeds, or he can change direction without changing speed. Um, he's a really Akram Wadley-esque type running back. Huh. All right, so, Chad, you yeah. fill in the holes here then because we're talking about Torin Young and Ivory Kelly-Martin, Toxikin Rabate still in uniform. Where mm. does, does Mecky Sargent pop in? Yeah, I think uh, I would say we really haven't gotten, um, you know, any any. I mean, Coach Ference, when I talked to him at Wakanda a couple weeks ago, said this is a guy they've had their eye on for a while. Um, this guy has three years eligibility left uh, to use three, 
So I expect that this means he's going to be playing right away. So I think he's in the mix for that number three role, along with some of the true freshmen they have coming in. And that that's going to make that interesting, too, with the uh, the four-game rule with Henry Guile and Samson Evans. Um, and Mark, uh, on the north end zone, do you want to t- tackle that one? Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the plan was all along that it'll be ready for next season, so it's not going to be fully ready for this year anyway. But they're they're making good progress. They'll have a seat, and they just won't have like all the maybe all the restrooms and concession stuff that they're going to have under there eventually. So it's uh, it is on pace uh, to be ready for fans. Mark, just for just like aesthetics from sitting at home, though it will it, on television, it will look like a finished product. It seems right. Right. Yeah. The yeah. stuff that, that's not finished will be stuff you can't see right. on TV. Exactly right. Yep. And it's uh, I, I did a story on this about a month ago, Anthony, and everyone else who's listening. Uh, once that scoreboard is up, that scoreboard will be higher than the south end zone scoreboard. It's going to be a more imposing, I think, uh, view from the inside, especially than we realize because it's also going straight up because they don't have any room to build back. They're building mm-hmm. up. Any so, any truth to the rumors that they put it at just the right height that it would have scraped the belly of those fighter jets that flew over? <laughs> it may have. I, I was at that game and in that north end zone, actually, <laughs> uh, when those guys came over. Uh, I was back from D.C. for a vacation. So, uh, yeah, that those were, that was something else. I'll never forget yeah, that, me, by I the way. I'm with you on that. <laughs> Speak of 4th of July, man, that was a patriotic moment yeah. all of a sudden. Uh, Chad, you have, you have a couple pieces I want to ask you about. One is... For, regarding Noah Fant. Uh, what did you learn about Noah Fant for this piece that you wrote for the Hawkeye season preview for USA Today? Yeah, it's, it should be coming in this Sunday's register as well. Um, had a really good conversation with Brian Ferentz, uh, talked to Noah Fant's parents. Um, should be a pretty interesting story um, about him. Obviously, he's getting a ton of hype. I think the, the thing that jumps out to me most about Noah Fant as far as football goes is just he – is a he's a guy they can put on the field and, and put anywhere on the field. They can put him as an inline tight end. They can put him as a fullback. They can put him as a slot receiver, and they can put him as a wideout receiver depending on matchups. And uh, Nate, uh, <laughs> they would have to announce that I think. <laughs> um, but they did, don't forget they ran him on two tight end reverses last year. I don't know if you guys remember that. I think game one they might have. So. He, it, even Nate sure Mark was going to like a, you know advocate for some sort of reverse pooch punt or something like that. <laughs> that could happen. Yeah. Uh, although Stanley's still still around. So. He's still, yeah. Um, but the, even Stanley, who's not that quotable, is said he was you know the, he called Fant a matchup nightmare, um, and uh, he kind of like actually was a good quote when when Noah Fant came up. So uh, this is a guy everybody's excited about, uh, but. Uh, He's and certainly one of the more intriguing players on this 2018 roster. Brandon Snyder, another one with some kind of question marks. Some Hawkeye fans are wondering about his role in 2018. You have a piece that uh, that you did on Brandon Snyder. What can you tell us? Yeah, that was uh, hopefully you guys got to read that. That was in this last Sunday's Register, HawkCentral.com. You can find it. Um, really, a story of you know a guy trying to find redemption after um, you know three knee surgeries and a DUI in a matter of eight months. So um, he's had a tough year. But he his his weight room numbers are exceptional right now, and he is he is a full participant with the football team. Uh, fifth year senior, uh, fully expects to start, and said he plans to lead the team to a Big Ten championship. Uh, I think people forget how good of a player he was. He was a full time starter as a sophomore, started every game, uh, tied for the team lead in interceptions, uh, forced fumbles, fumbles recovered. Uh, 
second to Josie Jewell in solo tackles. Uh, didn't, as a, didn't he have a pick six on a torn knee? That, yeah, that was he did that last <laughs> you know, year. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> uh, so if he can be the free safety, starting free safety, that'll be interesting to see what they do with Jake Gervas, yeah. or if they rotate them around somehow, or if they move one to outside linebacker. That's still not out of the yeah, question. Or make one a nickel, that. maybe mm-hmm. Imani Hooker's the nickel. Um, he gives them a lot of uh, possibilities there. Really, like, really cool, cool guy too. He's just. It's a guy you you want to see do well because he is kind of an inspirational figure, um, a guy that's been through a lot, um, some self-inflicted, some right. with injury. A lot of us can uh, appreciate that. Yes. Uh, Mark, I'd like to ask you about some Iowa basketball stuff. First of all, the Tyler Cook situation, what have, what exactly have we learned about this? Like with, with what happened last week, what are your feelings right now on Tyler Cook? Any different than they were maybe a month ago? Yeah, maybe a little bit. I think I saw something. Uh, Sports Illustrated had a piece today where he's uh, he's one of the, I guess, the top sixty players to watch for next year's draft, uh, hmm. which uh, is interesting because he was not on any of us coming into this draft. Right. And uh, just talking about how he he could be a maybe a uh, prototypical big guy in a small guy's game right now if he can get a little better an outside shot in order to defend all five positions, so, which is what he came back to work on. So I think he's uh, his name is out there certainly. Going into this season, he's got a lot to prove, and he's going to get a chance to prove it. So I think it's going to be really interesting to watch him this year to see not only what he does for his team as a leader, but what he can do to maybe improve his his pro prospect. Did the elimination of the PTL surprise you? Yeah, it did a little bit, um, especially this how sudden it was. I mean, uh, you know, they, they were about to have their draft, and suddenly the thing was just pulled off the table. So I mean, I understand why they did it. Um, and obviously they had, they hadn't really been getting the players to come back like they had in the past, like the former Hawkeyes, like the Matt Gatons of the world. Guys used to come back and play on that, so it was pretty much all their current players going against high school kids. So I think some of that had kind of maybe caused it to lose a little bit of luster, and uh, now they get to work with their players four hours a week during the season, which they're doing now, so they, that kind of took away a little bit of the time that the guys could have to devote to basically playing a pickup game in front of fans, even though that was popular, but uh, I think they made the right decision there. Can, I just want to talk, mention the NBA draft one more time here. Um, I thought it was really interesting as far as Tyler Cook's the Tyler Cook situation. Here, the Big Ten Player of the Year was drafted, I think, forty eighth in the NBA, NBA yep. draft. Um, it's, I mean, if you take away those two Michigan State guys, we knew we we're going to get drafted. It's, it is hard to go in the first round. Um, yeah. I, what were your impressions as far as? where guys went and what the value was in returning to school, Mark, um, especially guys in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, I thought I was a little surprised that, you know, Kevin Herter was, I think, was he 19th overall? The... Yeah, he did go first round, and so did Mo, Wa- Mo Wagner, right? Yeah. Went to the yeah, Lakers. Guy that I, I mean, who I like, I think he's going to be a good player. But, yeah, just look at guys that, that came back that didn't go in the draft. Like Ethan Happ has been a great player in this league for three years already, decided to come back for a fourth. Carson Edwards, I think, was as good as anybody in the Big Ten last year. And uh, I think he might have had a chance to get drafted, but he came back. So I think it just makes you, you know, like you say, it's really, really difficult to get drafted in the NBA. I mean, Peter Jock didn't get drafted after leading the Big Ten in scoring. So right. uh, it's really tough to get drafted in that NBA. It only takes 60 guys. So um, I think it's, uh, it shows kind of what, what Tyler Cook was up against. I mean, I, yes. I, I still don't think he would have got drafted. I think he made the right decision to come back. I, you know, I assume that he's happy with the decision he's made. So now we're going to see you know, one more year. What can one more year do, at college do for him? All right, we're going to see how talented Mark Emmert is here. He's got about seven minutes. We're going to see if he can do a time warp seven on minutes. us. Yeah, about seven minutes here before we kick you off. If you can do okay. that. 
you as quickly as you can explain the ten year history of Fran McCaffrey and C.J. Frederick to us. <laughs> I guess it's actually nine years, but it goes back to uh, Fran <laughs> was an assistant coach at Notre Dame when C.J.'s uncle Joe played there. You might people might remember Joe; he was actually a pretty good shooting guard back in the day, uh, in the late '80s. Uh, started, I think, as a junior all that season for uh, Digger Phelps. And Fran was kind of the guy that, uh, it's funny to think about this, but according to both Joe and CJ, Fran would be the guy that would kind of get in his ear and calm him down when Digger was getting kind of hard on him. I don't believe that. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, and kind of like diffuse the situation and let him know, hey, it's going to be okay. You know, I have have friends that whisper in my ear, and they're not calming me down. I can tell you that, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he was riling him up. But uh, but they're very close still, Joe Frederick and Fran. And so uh, I think – you know, you guys remember when Fran had the Siena team that made the NCAA tournament and beat Ohio State in Dayton in the first round uh, on a late Friday night. That that was the the game that Joe Frederick. You know, they live in Cincinnati. He drove up there with uh, with little CJ, his nephew, and, and CJ's dad, and they watched that game in the Siena, you know, cheering section, which was pretty small. And after the game, that was when uh, CJ got to meet Fran McCaffrey, I believe, for the first time, and uh, kind of developed a relationship there. So that's uh, kind of carried over. And ten years later, that's where he wanted to play. Uh, he was even willing to walk on after being uh, the Gatorade Player of the Year in Kentucky. He had some offers. He had, you know, both uh, Cincinnati and Xavier were after him. Indiana came in a little bit late, and uh, he, you know, he won the state championship down there. And I think it's pretty easy to see that maybe Louisville and Kentucky would have started coming after him too at that point because he was the best player in the state in that tournament, which is a big tournament as a one-class tournament. Yeah. So uh, he was he was the outstanding player there. So um, anyway, but he's uh, decided that. Uh, McCaffrey is who he wants to play for, and that's that's where he is right now. He's a six-four shooting guard, trying to find uh, a little bit of playing time here in a, in a pretty crowded backcourt. Suddenly, but uh, Iowa certainly could use the uh, somebody to stretch the perimeter a little bit there. They could use a, a good defensive player back there too, which he's been working on his defense. So he'll be a player to watch. I think if not this year, certainly down the road. I mean, there's certainly still a chance that he could redshirt this year, and maybe that's probably the best thing for him. But um, if they get in the situation they got in last year where suddenly they got some injuries and, and guys leave or whatever, they may need him this year, and he, uh, he thinks he's going to be ready. Matt, you, uh, you agree with all this you're hearing about, uh, about C.J. Frederick? I heard, saw Sherman Dillard in, Matt's, or in, uh, in Mark's piece say he's a two that can play one. Uh, how much of that will we see here with what you've seen from C.J.? Um, to me, he's a little bit – he's somewhat like Brady Ellingson, but – a Brady Ellingson that can handle the ball. He's never going to be your primary point. Okay. Uh, but if Jordan Bohannon needs somebody to spell him a little bit and Connor McCaffrey isn't in, they'd be fine playing CJ five to ten minutes a game at point. During his recruitment, and specifically with Fran McCaffrey, Fran would tell him, love your shooting, love your athleticism, learn how to handle the ball more. Get, get better at that. Get better with your handle. Get better at making plays on your own isolation. Because you can spot up and shoot with the best of them. You can, you can catch a pass and shoot, but handle the ball better. And he has. He worked on that a lot this this season um, and throughout this offseason. So five to ten minutes a game, if he's running the point, you're going to be okay with that. Mark, you did it, man. You you just wrapped up ten years. or no, Sorry, nine years. That's what it was. You it wasn't that You quick, didn't have though. to do ten years, so it was nine years. That's a lot easier. <laughs> Mark, thanks a lot for the time, man. We'll talk to you here in a couple hey. weeks, okay? Great. Thank you, guys. You bet. We'll see you later. Mark Emmert, you can catch out all of his great work at DesMoinsRegister.com and HawkCentral.com. I'm, I'm leafing through that piece right now about C.J. Frederick. It's really good stuff. You've heard Matt Bain in studio with us. We'd like to finish up these last five minutes or so chatting about some recruiting with uh, with Matt. First of all, man, we haven't talked about D.J. Carton. Every time I see you, this is the dude we've got to talk about. Who? What, what are you talking oh, about? Let me introduce you to a young man. <laughs> 
No, you the guy been, that Iowa has to get. <laughs> you've been following DJ closely for quite a while now. Yes. What's the latest right now? And and remember, you're talking to Hawkeye fans. Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, cur- currently he is in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on an official visit. Yeah, I didn't want to hear that. <laughs> After that, he flies to uh, Bloomington for an official visit with Indiana. Okay. And then after that, uh, July is a dead period, so he's just going to be doing his AU basketball with Quad City Elite, and then he'll get back up to doing visits in late August and September. You told me last time we talked, you said it, it's going to be a whirlwind for DJ Carton. I've seen a lot of people kind of describe it that way. Was it as crazy as you anticipated? Crazier? Not quite as nuts? Crazier. Crazier, no kidding. I-E-R, Oof. crazier, yeah. Um, he... He was a somewhat surprise selection by people outside Iowa to get to the under-18 national team trials, and he showed up as one of the best players there, made the first cut, barely missed the final team cut. Then he was thought of as the best point guard prospect at the always prestigious NBA Players Association Top 100 camp in Virginia. Um, After that camp, Duke and North Carolina coaches reached out to his inner circle and said, we're going to watch him play in July. It's light interest at this point, very light, but they are going to watch him play in July. Kansas head coach Bill Self calls DJ. He's recruiting him. Not super actively yet because they've got some point guards ahead of him, but he is on Bill Self's radar. Wichita State reached out. They've produced four NBA guards in the past five, six years. Um, so those four are kind of the new interest at this point. He's extending his recruitment now to next fall. Might make a decision in, in September, October, because he wants to visit all six schools that he listed in May, which was Iowa, Xavier, Marquette, Ohio State, Indiana, Michigan. But now if other schools are going to show interest, if other schools are going to offer. If Duke is going to if North right. Carolina is knocking on the door. Right. Oh, interesting. All right. It's, uh, a, it's a light knock now, though. It's just a tap. Okay. Chad, anything else on DJ Carton? I know you also wanted to ask about, uh, is it the, the five-star kid Keon Brooks? That's almost more intriguing right now. We can yeah. maybe get – we got. I know we got a uh, uh, Twitter question on Carton we can get to in the podcast. But let's let's talk Keon Brooks sure. now. That's, that's the one that sticks out. Number seven prospect in the country is actually visiting – is visiting Iowa. Yep. What the heck? Yep. What we'll do, Matt, we have a podcast-only version of the show that we're going to go to right now. So you folks that are listening on KXNO, you're going to get Cardinals baseball coming your way here in a matter of moments. Once we get to uh, Cardinals baseball, we're going to turn the mics off. We're going to record. I'm thinking 15, 20 minutes. We'll talk some recruiting. We'll really get into why you should be excited about Keon Brooks. And Chad has a couple of Twitter questions that are coming in about DJ Carton. Matt Bain is going to hang out in studio with us. Chad Lysico going to hang out. We will have that podcast version up, this segment that will be only available through Hawk Central. You can download that podcast a bunch of different ways. Make sure you get it done. You can find out how we wrap things up. Cardinal Baseball next here on KXNO. Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register, powered by G-Mix Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. You found it. It's like the secret track at the end of a Green Day album. <laughs> it it's is. the podcast-only version of Hawk Central. Uh, Matt Bain in studio with me, Ross Peterson, and the Register's own Chad Lystico. What's up, Matt? How are you, man? I'm good. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a little while since I've seen you, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see you. I apologize that I bombarded you with DJ Carton questions right away. <laughs> Chad, you did mention that uh, as we were signing off on the air that there were some Twitter questions about the Carton situation also. Yeah, let's do that, and then maybe get Matt's take on Keon Brooks, which yeah. is it's certainly fascinating. Sure. But uh, Brian Parsons asks, does Iowa have a point guard recruit in play if DJ goes elsewhere? Because if I, 
if I'm remembering correctly, two of their other top guys have committed elsewhere in the last couple of weeks, right? Yeah, so currently this is kind of a yes and no answer. Okay. Because they have point guards that they're continuously evaluating and recruiting, but they can't really fully pursue them because if they do, then they're going to lose out on Carton. Yeah, right. So they're kind of putting all their ba- their eggs into the Carton basket. So the two that you're specifically referring to are Tyrell Terry, four-star point guard out of Minneapolis, and then Tyreek LeCure, yeah. the Des Moines North point guard, uh, who just committed to South Alabama, and Tyrell Terry committed to Stanford. Um, I'm told that at this point when Tyreek committed to South Alabama, Iowa was out of the picture. So he wasn't really really a factor there. Huh. And Tyrell Terry was the type of kid who was going to get other schools to recruit him as their number one target, yeah. and Iowa was not able to do that, and Stanford was. So that's why they're gone. The only name that I'm really aware of that Iowa is looking at, likes a lot, and is kind of fits in that category of he's a sort of mid-major guy who's comfortable being second option to DJ Carton, is a guy named Noah Hutchins. Buffalo, New York, point guard, 5'11", mm-hmm. quick, actually very similar to Tariq LeCure. Um, maybe a little bit more of a refined offensive game, but not much. Iowa likes him. They've seen him play. They are planning to watch him play more in July. And we'll see if an offer comes. But therein lies the problem with Carton again. Yeah. Do you offer him in July if you really like him? I don't know if Carton's going to be committed by then. And if you offer another point guard, what does that make Carton think? So this is, this opens up a lot of opinions here, I think. Because... You, an- you answered the question that I was going to have was obviously going to be about Tyreek LaCour. And I'd even asked that question the other day to Chris and Jared Stansberry, who obviously are the Cyclone guys, just trying to get an idea of time frame. Mm-hmm. Like, what does this mean that Tyreek LaCour has committed to is it Alabama State South Alabama, South Alabama. Sorry. and and they both said the same thing like hey don't I wouldn't panic this there's a lot of time before actual signing day but you seem to think that that's a door that has shut the Iowa door has shut with Tariq okay. Lecure okay yes, yes. Uh, the so Min- the Minnesota I mean Minnesota wanted him well mm. they were looking at him they had some point guards ahead of him on the board but they wanted him to visit for a camp this past weekend and he was like no I'm I'm taking my official to South Alabama. Wow. He loved his official visit. The The head coach there is treating him as his guy. He's handing them keys to the offense, keys to the city. He's saying you're going to have an opportunity to play all four years. I mean, I, I would take that. Okay. So car, the Carton thing, I'm going to I'm gonna say I like what Iowa's doing here. I think you have to go all in for Carton. I think, I think Iowa fans should applaud that. I don't think you want them to go offering other people and maybe sabotage the Carton thing. I think you have to go – full bore into it and you know put your best foot forward even coming off a 4 and 14 season at least you're in it mm-hmm. uh, and if they don't end up with one you know you've got Jordan Bohannon and Connor that, McCaffrey for a couple years that honestly was what I was going to say you you're, um, you're still it's not the year he would have come in would have been Bohannon's senior, senior year, year anyway right. you're going to have McCaffrey for an additional year after that several if, years yeah, yeah and and then uh, Patrick coming in Patrick yeah so it's. I don't. I'm with you, Chad. The more I think about this, I really like Tyreek Lecour because of the local connection. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. There. I it was can the tell. Des Moines kid. That was it. This I is the one part of recruiting you like. <laughs> I know. Unfortunately, right? And he's not even going to be here. That's you why I don't. This is why I don't do it, Chad. I don't care because I get burned. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I am. I'm with you. I think you have a great analysis there. You go after the kid that can make the biggest difference and impact on your program, and you go after him with everything you have. So if I, so. Here, basically, what I heard Matt say is, if Iowa offers this kid from Buffalo, bad sign for Carton. Correct. What <laughs> so. What could happen theoretically, if Carton takes his official visit to Iowa sometime in August or September, yeah. Iowa could say to him at the official visit, "Look, if you're going to commit to us, we need you to commit now." 
because we have to we have to move on. We have to move forward. We, yeah. We'd already be close to November, the November um, signing period. So if Iowa offers Noah Hutchins in August or September, that might clue you in as to how that conversation went at the official visit. Okay. All right. Iowa fans uh, don't want to see that offer come then. All right. Tell me about Keon Brooks. You yeah. guys kind of, kind of piqued my interest here right before we, we came to our podcast version here. The, a five-star recruit, mm-hmm. a, a top 10 na- nationwide guy? Yes. And we're seriously in the running for him? Yes, along with nine other schools, including Kentucky, North Carolina. You listen. I'm all right. Michigan I'm State. okay with that. You're in the running for him, and, and if you've made a list of final ten with those teams, that says a lot about Fran McCaffrey's is recruiting and ability to stay in those conversations. It says something good about Fran. Yes, it says something very, very good about Andrew Francis. The oh, okay. Coach. The, the, yep. Yes, he's been working on a relationship with the Brooks family since Keon was a freshman. Um, he's done a tremendous job here. Uh, he he kind of is the reason that Iowa is in this door here, and then Fran has done a tremendous job once he's been in the door. Okay. But Andrew Francis was was the connection. Uh, and, yes, he might actually be on campus right now in Iowa City, Keon uh-huh. Brooks. He's six Should we have Emmert go look for him? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Emmert would love that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we let him go. Yeah, right, that's what, that's what we didn't want to tell people. He had to go make sure the bathrooms weren't open in the north end zone and also that make sure Keon Brooks was on on, uh, what on position? Campus. What position is Brooks? Uh, basketball player. <laughs> okay, he's, any, anywhere. <laughs> so he's six foot eight, hundred ninety pounds. Uh, he can score at all three levels. He, he's he's pow- point forward power guard. I mean, he can do he can do everything. Um, he would One immediately. Yeah. Uh, maybe. No, maybe. Maybe. He's Still. not. Quite, he's not quite Romeo Langford, but but he is in that in that yeah. vein. Uh, he's from Fort Wayne, Indiana, so Indiana is going hard after him, especially since they got Romeo Langford. There is some momentum for Indiana to get the big in-state kids now. Hmm. But Iowa is in it. If you're if you're looking at percentages, they have an at least 10% chance to get him because they're one of 10 schools in his final 10. Well, he's visiting, so that's yeah. something. Right. Yeah, and it's an unofficial, so he's paying for it. Yeah. So that even says something more. Mm-hmm. New commitments over the weekend, Chad. You wanted to? It, how many Should guys we go into football? Do we have any more basketball to tie up? That was basically it, right? There's oh, there's always there's always anything to talk about. <laughs> Let's go football. <laughs> Let's go football. Okay. Because the Hawkeyes picked up uh, three commitments over the weekend, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, let's. Uh, the names are Dane Belton, uh, defensive back from Tampa, Florida. Stop me if I say something wrong here. Okay. Uh, Justin Britt, an offensive lineman from Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, let's stop there before we get to the third guy. Because Justin Britt is the guy is a guy that intrigues me, not because of they got him, although that was a nice get. Mm-hmm. But the guy he plays with is the the thing that intrigues me the most. And why is that, Because <laughs> Iowa never gets good receivers to come to <laughs> Iowa. No, it's, yeah. let's hear about David Bell. He's, I mean, maybe Iowa in the top three or four, right? Uh they're in, they're in the top five. So he released the top five the other day. Um, it was Iowa, Penn State, Purdue, Indiana, and Ohio State. Um, the general thought is that Ohio State and Purdue are leading the way, but it is a factor that Iowa is in this guy's top five. Uh, as you were saying, Justin Britt is his high school teammate, so you know that Justin's going to be in his ear. Also, both of them were high school teammates with Julius Brents, the current Iowa freshman uh, defensive back. David Bell would be a massive, massive get for Iowa. In terms of skill, he's not quite as good as Oliver Martin, but he's very, very close. Um, He's a four-star guy. He's a top 150 guy. He would have an 
immediate impact. He would start immediately, um, and he would add a new wrinkle to Iowa's offense that they frankly haven't had in a long, long time. So that's why you like Justin Britt committing to the Hawkeyes. I mean, that's part of it. I mean, part he, of it. He's the fourth offensive lineman to come come to the class. I assume that means they're done with the offensive line, I yeah. would think. Yeah, they'd be done with the offensive um, line. So a related question that we got on Twitter, Matt, um, from Beast. That's that's the guy's name, Hi. Beast. Hello, Beast. That's Cbly15. <laughs> Uh, with the class being perceived to be close to finish due to scholarship numbers, are there recruits out there that Iowa takes no matter what? Or are there situations like Jarrell Brock, which we haven't even gotten into yet, mm-hmm. Ross, which I know you're dying to talk about. Can't even wait. I'm, I'm <laughs> um, over here holding my breath. <laughs> texting other people. Uh, <laughs> are there other guys? Is Bell one of those guys? He has to be, right? A guy you take no matter what, yeah. no matter how full you are. Yes, and I think that they are going to want to add one more receiver even if they don't get Bell. Uh, if you look at Hawk Central, the latest recruiting mailbag, I put together a list of seven receivers that they might look at should Bell commit elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but other positions that I think that they're probably looking to get, they want to get another defensive end. There's a Georgia three-star named Tamari Fox who was on an official visit this weekend. He he has a lot of momentum. Um, I Like I said, I think they want to get one more receiver. They might want to get another defensive back. Um but in terms of somebody who they would take no matter what, David Bell is one. I think Nick Heinrich, or Nick Henrik, I don't know how you say it, the, the four-star linebacker from Omaha. He has absolutely exploded this offseason. He's now 24-7 sports number 83 recruit overall for the class of 2019. Wow. Uh, he has a Hawkeye connection. His dad played uh, tennis for the Hawkeyes, I believe, in the 80s. And Io has been in with him for a long time. I haven't heard a lot about the Hawkeyes' relationship with him lately, as he has kind of exploded. But he's the type of guy that if he turns up Iowa interest, the Hawkeyes are going to listen. Even though they have two linebackers, and I don't think they need another, in Justin Jacobs and Jack Campbell, if Nick says, hey, I want to visit you, Kirk's going to say, okay, <laughs> yes, please. Right, exactly. Um, so Jalen Hunt would be the other guy. Uh, that committed over the weekend. To me, this is maybe the more most impressive guy based on his offer list. Um, yeah, would I would be the say second. Yeah, would be the second defensive end of the class, joining Jake Karchinski uh, of the famed uh, <laughs> the recipient of the famed <laughs> Iowa State coach's tweet. Um, <laughs> Jalen Hunt turns down Michigan State, Missouri, mm-hmm. and other offers. Right? Tell me about Jalen Hunt, a big athlete. 6'3", 240, 250. I mean, he, he's pretty well developed. He will develop as soon as he gets in, but in terms of college-ready body, he's pretty much right there. Um, the Hawkeyes had a great in with him because of Kayvon Merriweather. The current freshman safety went to Belleville High in Michigan, teammates with Mr. Jalen Hunt. Uh, they've liked him for, for a long, long time. He's been a priority for a long, long time, and them getting Jalen Hunt was a big recruiting victory last weekend. Uh, quarterback. I don't think we've talked about this guy on the podcast. Uh, they got their quarterback in this class. It wasn't uh, wasn't Max Dugan. It wasn't uh, anyone else that, uh, that maybe we've talked about before. This guy kind of came out of nowhere in, in some ways, right? Uh, yeah. His name's Alex Padilla. Iowa goes to Colorado Ross to yes. get a quarterback. How about but, that? Now, Matt, I did what I have seen about this kid. It does seem like that's a reason that they were okay letting a few of those other guys go. They do like this young man. Yeah, they do like him. Uh, it, it was a pretty quick developing relationship. He he came to a camp in early June. Ken O'Keefe liked what he saw, offered him pretty quickly after that, and then within a few days, Alex committed. So this was a very, very quick process. Um, he held other offers from Colorado State, Nevada, Columbia, Central Michigan, UNLV, South Dakota, among others. So he was kind of a group of five kid with some, with some power five potential, and Iowa saw that in him. 
Um, he doesn't overwhelm you with uh, elite athleticism or arm strength, but he has such good smarts and such a strong foundation of fundamentals. Um, he's the type of guy that Ken O'Keefe is going to have an absolute field day kind of molding into a college quarterback. He's not there yet. He's not as college-ready as Spencer Petras, but he's got all the pieces that two, three years down the line, he's going to really compete for that spot. Uh, overall class size right now, what, do, what are you looking at for numbers? Um, I would say, honestly, I would say maximum 18. Okay. Uh, they've got 13 right now, presumably 14. Um, if Tyler Goodson, the Georgia running back, commits to Iowa on July 3rd, which if Iowa doesn't have a silent and verbal commitment from Goodson and still canceled its visit with Iowa, that would be... With Terrell Brock, you mean? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with Terrell Brock. Uh, that would lead to some questions. Hmm. So it's probably at 14 with, with Tyler Goodson. Then they'd have four to five more spots to give out. Okay, Chad, you, you like the strength of the class, right? Well, I do. I do. Um, I think that... Uh, the guys that got early in this class are going to be kind of forgotten because you end up, you know, the recruiting ink gets, um, you know, spent on guys that haven't decided yet. But I think where they did their best work in this class so far is is the guys you see that committed the earliest. Ezra Miller, uh, Logan, the offensive lineman from Northwest Iowa, Tyler Andres from Norwalk, nearby Norwalk, mm-hmm. Ross, little guy you can – you know, start cheering attach for yourself to <laughs> you know me and these the, i love that once they're in uniform then i'm all on top of them. the freshman you bet man you're my new favorite hawkeye uh logan lee then and the tight end out of orion illinois i think we've done stories on yeah him, all these yeah. guys oh uh, logan lee is going to play in the nfl so there you go tight end right after noah faint leaves yeah. Well, you got a couple. I mean, about. listen, TJ is going to be able to fill a gap there for a little while too you've got yeah. a good group of tight ends if you bring in this kid and you've got a you know three or four years of kids like that that could mm-hmm. that could be fantastic. Okay, so while we're talking about tight ends, just need to drop this in for our listeners. Iowa did lose a tight end um, from its roster, Solon kid that you used That's to right. cover, Matt. That's right. Jacob Coons ha- started tweeting yesterday, and, uh, and then he tweeted again this morning <laughs> saying he has uh, left the football program to focus on academics. So. Um, obviously, must not have you know that tight end group as we know very full, very robust. Very talented. Ahmad Wagner couldn't yeah, even yeah. crack it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you have a feeling that he just wasn't working out there um, yeah. in one way or another. Recruited so. almost as an athlete out of high school. Really talented, big kid, but not not a whole lot of meat on him. Yeah. And they were hoping to to probably add the meat. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They might have been turning him into something else, but. Yeah. It, but it, when we talk about the numbers, there's there's a guy that peeled off that that gives Iowa maybe an extra number there. Right. Um, but I don't know. Over, so are you? So I see Rivals has I think every single guy in this class I think has a has him as a three star. Which there's varying degrees of three stars. I know two four seven has some of them as four stars, mm-hmm. right, Matt? So overall, this class. Where do you think it is? I guess what are your impressions of this class? I honestly, and I remember us talking about this the other day, I, I think it's about the same as Iowa does. Iowa never does a, a bad job at recruiting, uh, but they they rarely really surprise you with a bunch of four-star kids. They're getting solid three-star guys who are going to turn into NFL players, and then they've got a couple of in-state four-stars at the top and Ezra Miller and Tyler Endress. I think, I think it's about the same as, as Iowa has been doing, and that usually turns to success. Maybe this year is slightly better than last year, uh, 24-7 has them in the top 30 right now. I don't think they were in the top 30 last year. Yeah, wow. But but, it, but it's about the same, and that's not, not bad. Okay, Ross, I got a question for you. All right. 
uh, do you know uh, this Jarrell Brock situation? Here's a kid from Quincy, Illinois, four-star running back, good running back. Okay, uh, down to Iowa, Minnesota, Iowa State, and Northwestern. Correct, basically. Correct. So, but Iowa uh, a week or so ago cancels his visit, presumably because Tyler Goodson has right. given them the commitment. They've already got the Mecky Sergeant kid that we talked about. What do you, as a fan, you're kind of a resident fan here. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of that situation, and how would you feel if he is in a Cyclone uniform or a Minnesota Gopher uniform and as next you, season? As, as you know, Chad, not maybe, next season, but 19 season. Maybe I'm not a typical fan of that. I don't. I don't hate Iowa State. I don't have. And and if this kid right. doesn't come to Iowa, um, I probably won't remember his name. Honestly, if yeah. if we hadn't talked so much about Eno Benjamin, I wouldn't know who that young man was. I'd have no interest in knowing where he went to college or, or right. what was happening with him. If he ends up being a starter against the Iowa Hawkeyes and we're spending that week on Hawk Central or on Sports Fanatics talking about him, I'm sure somebody's going to bring up the fact that, hey, he was a recruit by Iowa. Iowa had him. He was in their final three or four schools. But, no, I will, it doesn't – I'll have no – no ill will towards this kid. I won't pay any more closer attention because the Hawkeyes were in on him. It, it won't affect it at all yeah. for me. So I have a lot of friends who are Hawkeye fans, obviously. And um, uh, their rea- I think their initial reaction is, what the heck is Iowa doing? But then I think once they realize the dominoes and the, the Iowa Western kid and probably this good son kid, like, like Matt <laughs> said, if, if he doesn't commit to Iowa, then... Then we have big problems. Then, then we have some big questions. questions. Then you have a yeah. recruiting meltdown. Uh but I think that I I think Iowa fans get it. I think they understand yeah. it's a numbers game, right? Yeah, I mean that's it, really what it is. It is, and and the fact that Iowa was comfortable accepting Tyler's recruitment and and likely parting ways here with Jarrell goes to show you that they probably evaluate Goodson on, on the same level that they do Brock. It means that maybe inter- higher. I mean, yeah, it means internally they like him a lot. Yeah. So they they always say we don't trust the star values. So yeah, ab- absolutely they don't. They don't care about that, yeah. and I know you don't either, Ross. Yeah. But I think I do think staying in Georgia, being connected in Georgia, is mm-hmm. a very, very and, strong move and, and positive move if they can, especially did, if they get this Fox kid, mm-hmm. right? From, I did pump my fist when Matt says that they could be a top thirty recruiting class. That's that's impressive. <laughs> that, that's great. That could is happen. a neat thing. Now we we would have we'd have to wait for some of the big powers to fill the rest yeah, of their recruiting right, classes because right. right now it is early. But and you and we've always talked about this. Iowa gets their guys early. That's right. why they shoot up those rankings. Right. You mentioned that they do have a couple of positions, maybe four scholarships left. What positions will they be focused on there? I think wide receiver. Okay. Uh, one more defensive end. I, I would, if I was in their shoes, I would want another defensive back, specifically one who focused on cornerback in high school. They've got a couple defensive backs, but they're both safeties. And Sebastian Castro out of Oakland, Illinois. And then the recent commit, Dane Belton out of Florida. Um, I'd like to see them get more of a pure cornerback. So that's three. And then after that, you might go for best available. That's yeah. the situation where you might take a Nick Henrick, where you, right. or where you yeah. definitely would, would take a Nick Right, get yeah. another linebacker in there. Yeah. All right, so we talked about David Bell's chances, but what just kind of like lay out the timeline for us. What's next for this class of 2019? Well, right now it's the dead period uh, from June 25th or July 24th. Uh, so that means coaches cannot – have any face-to-face contact with players. Uh, they cannot have them on campus. They cannot do any of that. So a lot of what happens during this dead period is people who have taken enough visits, they'll commit. So I don't really have anybody 
on my docket, who I think is like right this second about to commit to Iowa, I think the most likely would be Tamari Fox, uh, the defensive end who took his official to mm-hmm. Iowa. Um, I, I forget which outlet he told it was either 24-7 sports or rivals that he almost did commit, and he had to catch himself mm-hmm. from committing because he wanted to see other other opportunities. Uh, but he would he would be somebody. Obviously, you're going to keep your eye on David Bell, and then if and when, sorry Hawkeye fans, that he does choose another school. There's a chance that he picks Iowa, but it's more likely to picks another school. Then you'll have your eye on some of these group of five kids in the Midwest who play wide receiver who Iowa will likely look to pluck with a with a power five offer. Now they have one receiver in the class, Desmond Hudson from mm-hmm. Kansas City. From Kansas City. Six four one ninety five. So I don't know. Yeah. A, a project piece. Hmm. Yeah. So what what happens if uh Tyler Goodson has a monster year? really explodes up the boards, suddenly gets a Georgia offer or an Alabama offer. Oh, it's this a Davian Nixon thing all over. Is it risky? Is it risky to take the Georgia kid over the Quincy, Illinois kid? Uh, they must it's, feel it's good about it, right? Too. It's risky to wait. It's risky to turn somebody away. The lesson here is there's a lot of risk and stress involved in every, basically every decision yeah. with recruiting. But if Tyler has a tremendous year, heck yeah, Georgia could offer. Heck yeah, Alabama or Mississippi State could offer. And heck yeah, he could decommit. I mean, we saw it last year with Ben Van Summeren, uh, the, the mm-hmm. Michigan product who flipped from Iowa to Michigan three days before the signing day. Uh, I mean, heck, the only reason that Iowa has Spencer Petrus is because he decommitted from Oregon State. The only reason Iowa has uh, Jaden McDonald is because he decommitted from Rutgers. So it does happen. Yeah. Yeah. Emir Smith-Marset decommitted from two schools. Right. Wow. <laughs> glad, <laughs> glad that happened. <laughs> Minnesota and Rutgers, yeah. Any final thoughts, Chad, or do you want to ask, uh, is anything we missed on there? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I appreciate you guys sticking around to do this. Yeah, I man, this is fun. We basically did it for our listeners. I know um, we don't get to a lot of recruiting, especially with our coaches' interviews in the summer, as much as maybe we should or like to. And I know a lot of fans are interested in it. Yeah, so we it thank, moves the needle, definitely. We thank you guys for, for tuning in. And like we said, next week, off week for Hawk Central. The following week, off week for Chad Leistico. So I think you're getting Derek Foster, so you can ask more about Mechie Sargent then. Perfect. All right. Thanks so much, Chad, for setting up another really fun one. Matt, thanks for coming in, man. It's great to see you again. I hope we can uh, make this a little bit more of a common occurrence here again, okay? Sounds good. All right, folks, thanks so much for downloading the podcast. We love seeing that uh, the positive feedback. Uh, keep it coming. It, it means the world to us. And we will be back here in a couple of weeks. Take the 4th of July off on the 11th. It will be Mark Emmert, myself, back with Hawk Central on KXNO.